Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of Brewcast here on MazeandBrew.com, Maze and Brew Podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. You can follow us on Twitter at Brewcast. Guys, welcome into the show, my co-hosts Luke Giardi and Chris Castellani. Uh, again, another show where we just go into it with not a whole lot to talk about. Hey, guys. Yeah, there's not much going on with Michigan right now. It's weird doing a, doing a podcast right now. Hold on, let me stop you right there. Just kidding. Michigan basketball is in the Final Four and Michigan hockey is in the Frozen Four. So... Um, don't take my sarcasm as ignorance. There's a shit ton of stuff going on right now. It's fun. It's a fun time to be a Michigan fan right now. Yeah. Kind of all of a sudden things just kind of creeped up and everything's coming up Wolverines, you know? You know, I don't want to paint this year with a broad brush, uh, but you've got Michigan basketball in the final four. You've got obviously Michigan hockey, which is even more shocking. That's in the frozen four. We will, uh, we will talk about that maybe next week, but it is a basketball weekend. Uh, let me finish that other thought first. Maybe it's the year of the fours. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is number four at Michigan. Captain Comeback. You know, maybe they're setting themselves up for a big year. Uh, who knows? Maybe 2018 is the year of the Wolverines because uh, it just feels like everything is kind of coming up maize and blue these days. So we'll see what happens with all that. But this is a basketball edition of our show. A final four preview of our show. We have a lot we want to hit on, so we'll jump right into it here. Michigan's in the final four, like we, like I have said about 10 times since we hit record here. It's an exciting time to be a Michigan fan. You look at the bracket and their road to get there. I mean, it's been 
I talked about it on last week's show. I think this has been maybe the, you know, maybe the craziest tournament we've seen so far and not because we've seen some juggernaut teams go down. I think coming into this tournament, it was going to be pretty wide open because there wasn't really those um, undefeated juggernaut teams or Kentucky teams of the past. Or, you know, we thought maybe at the beginning of the year, Michigan state would be, you know, a team that was a force to be reckoned with, but none of those teams really entered the field this year. So it created an opportunity where things are kind of wide open for honestly, anyone to, to make the final four here. And, you know, your four teams are obviously Villanova and Kansas on the other side of the bracket. And then you've got Michigan going up against uh, what I think is, well, I'll get into that a little bit. Loyola Chicago is a great story, an underdog story. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about our little message for sister Jean a little bit later, but you know, when you look at their path to this tournament, you know, that we talked about those opening two games, two of the consecutively worst offensive performances that they've had this year against Montana, a team that some people thought maybe had a chance at upsetting Michigan. And then it took a Jordan pool miracle for, to win that Houston game. You fast forward to that following Thursday, you get Texas A&M who had just smacked the hell out of North Carolina, a team that a lot of people thought Michigan would end up playing. Michigan comes into that game and not only rebounds from a, from two bad offensive performances, they put up what was their best offensive performance of the year. That wasn't against a team like Detroit Mercy. It was the best offensive performance of the tournament, I would say, by any team. I mean, it was that uh, it was that dominant from the get go. It was it was vintage uh, beeline offense. You know, it, it took me back to kind of early, especially early on in the 2013 season when uh, that team was really firing on all cylinders and, and they were, they were moving the ball. Well, um, they were hitting their threes, but you know, obviously unlike a lot of other beeline teams, they, they smothered A&M uh, defensively. Uh, and even if they hadn't, uh, they were going to win that game running away. That was uh, a, a remarkable offensive performance. <coughs> Sorry. Sick. It was a, uh, a remarkable offensive performance. It was a great offensive performance, but I really think, you know, like all season, it really started on the defensive end. Uh, first things first, Xavier Simpson, he did not let Starks breathe that entire game. And then Michigan was able to get out and transition nonstop, and they were getting wide open threes. I mean, it was it was pretty much a practice out there for Michigan. And they were able to knock down their three, 14 of 24 in that game. But it all started on the defensive end and creating turnovers. I think Texas A&M had 11 in the first half. It, it was a defensive clinic that turned into an offensive clinic. I mean, what a performance. That was, How much fun was that? Like, that was the most fun I've had watching Michigan basketball maybe ever. It well, was, I'll say uh, this. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, you go ahead. I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just pure emotion and elation ready to come out of your mouth. I could hear it. Uh, I felt it too. I mean, let me, I've never, it's been a while since I watched a Michigan basketball game on that type of stage. Now, listen, I mean, they play the, you know, poopsie McGillicuddy States and whatever in the non-conference. And they, you know, they, they wipe the floor with teams like that, but they, I have not seen Michigan basketball play a game like that on that stage since, you know, maybe that NCAA tournament game, maybe four or five years ago. When remember when they played Tennessee in the first round and just like waxed the floor with yes. them, and the Florida um, Elite Eight game. That's another. Yeah, one. That yeah. that's yeah. those two. I mean, there was 
no drama at all. There was absolutely no drama in this game. I never once felt stressed out uh, as opposed to the next game that we'll talk about in a couple of minutes here. But, you know, it was just it was a clinic. And, you know, if, if you would have told me that Texas A&M was going to score 72 points, I probably would have said Michigan lost that game because I know, you know, they had the two big guys. Uh, they played good defense. But, you know, when it just goes to show you, even in a, in a year where I don't think this offense has been nearly as explosive as, you know, other beeline teams have. Excuse me, but um, lost my train of thought. Uh, they've not been explosive as, as other beeline teams have, but it still goes to show you when they're firing on all cylinders, I mean, they play like that. There's not a team in this tournament that would beat them when they show up like they did like that. So it's just one of those things where, um, hey, you'll, you'll take it. That, that's all I can really say. I, I thought mean, they would win that game. I was never really stressed out about it. Never really worried about any the potential matchup, but. You know, it's it's one of those things where you show up like that and you're going to blow out pretty much anyone who takes the court across from you. And, I mean, when you think about it, Michigan in three out of the four games they've played has not done well offensively. They have shot the ball very, very poorly, and they're in the Final Four. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that, that was something I was going to bring up in, in a sec is that, uh, and I guess, I don't know, are we – pretty much covered as far as the A&M game goes. Okay, well, let's move on to that Florida State game then. Well, no, no, that was my question. Is Are, are we are we kind of uh, done with that permission to move on? <laughs> yeah, we, we do. We, okay. we do have to – I mean, it, that, was, that Texas A&M game was an absolute waxing. It's, there's nothing mm-hmm. to recap. So uh, moving on, there was the Florida State game. Uh, this is the antithesis of what I just talked about with mm-hmm. – um, in terms of not being nervous that I'll say this, that game was defensive basketball on both sides at its finest. I, I was very entertained by that game. And let me say this, I tweeted this out, but that second half registered, I have a Fitbit, not to brag. I work out, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have a Fitbit that entire second half. And like the minutes after the game where you're excited and, and things like that are going on that registered as a workout for me. So like, I don't know what my heart was doing. It was, it was doing all kind of wacky things. I, I may have been sweating. I can't really tell, um, you know, pacing about the house. I was at a buddy of mine's house. That was as stressful a basketball game as it gets. And, you know, I, I kind of want your guys' thoughts on watching that game. And, you know, that was a game where we talked about two days before they won with offense. They won by running a team out of the gym and, uh, and spanking them around. But this was a game where they won with defense. And that's something that we haven't seen from beeline teams on the regular, on a regular basis in the past. I did not. I only sat down for commercials. That's, that's the only time I sat down during this entire game. Yeah, no, it it was a, uh, it it was a tense, uh, grinded out, ugly basketball game. I mean, it looked, it, Luke already alluded to it, but uh, they they played three of their weakest games of the season uh, offensively. And Michigan did, and um, they find themselves in the Final Four. Uh, now that Florida State game uh, le- left a lot to be desired. Um, did not shoot the ball well at all. Missed just an insane amount of open threes good looks by good shooters and they were and they were clanking them every time uh 
free throws down the stretch were another disaster. Um, you, you know that's going to be a storyline going forward. You know in these next however many games I have left, whether it be one or two, that uh, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be stressful um, watching them at the line. Well, we've talked about that before too. Where is it? Is it going to? Is this going to hurt them at some point? It hasn't yet. I feel like it potentially could have against Florida State. And this is—I wanted to get into this too. What about what about Leonard Hamilton? How do you not foul? Him? How do you not foul? seconds. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It and you know the interview with Dana Jacobson after the game goes. The game was over. It's like <laughs> the game was over. I mean. Listen, I, I work for CBS, and I guess technically, you know, they're the, the company that put on the broadcast, even though it was on TBS. You know, they're still, it's still the, they're still kind of their show. But 15 seconds in a basketball game is like two commercial breaks. So, like, you could have extended that game by like five or six minutes of like actual time. This team you know, shoots you... 65% from the free throw line. 65%. Yeah, here I am talking about it from a broadcasting perspective, but Michigan is the 321st ranked team in the country in free throw percentage or something like that. So it's like you turtled. And when I, the more I went back, the more I listened to the interview, I probably must have listened to that thing 20 or 30 times. It's that Leonard Hamilton sounded like to me, like a man that was defeated and grinded down by a game that really just kind of smothered his team and maybe smothered him a little bit on the defensive end of the floor. So maybe he was just ready to go home. Michigan punished them enough on that end of the floor that he was just ready to go home, I guess. I mean, for me, though, it's it's not so much Leonard Hamilton. My question is, so these players have played countless basketball games. I'm talking from when they were very young to being on the AAU circuit to playing as many high school games as they probably play wherever, you know, they came from. I'm sure other States don't limit like Michigan does to 20 games in the regular season, but all those games, all those college games, how is the first instinct of the players not to foul in that situation? I don't think you should ever have to look to a coach to foul. If that situation, the basketball IQ amongst players who have gotten to the division one level who play in the ACC, their first instinct, their reaction should be should be to foul Duncan Robinson as soon as he gets that rebound. Well, you know what else I thought of too is maybe, and this is uh, either way to me, it's a huge lack of awareness on Florida State's part. Maybe they just didn't realize how close the game was and that they were still within striking distance because, you know, maybe a minute or so before or whatever it was, I don't have the, the breakdown of how the clock was. In 154. Front of me, it was 154. When they were down 10 yep. or 11, yep. whatever when it was. Duncan, when Duncan hits that, there's 154 on the clock and they call timeout. So I almost just feel like maybe there was a lack of awareness there. I, I There's these huge scoreboards in these stadiums. So I don't know how you miss the clock or anything, but maybe you're just so tuned into what's going on in the court and you know what's in your head. Like, I don't know. But any explanation you could possibly cook up for that is a bad look for Florida State, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um I think a big reason why they didn't foul uh, was that Duncan Robinson was the guy who got the rebound. Um, I, I think it could have been a completely different situation if Simpson or Matthews or uh, somebody else on the court would have gotten the rebound. Um, I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't really care. Um, I know the interview made for uh, 
you know, a lot of topic of conversation, but uh, that, that game was way closer than it should have been. Florida State's not good. I'm sorry. That, that, that offense was was a disaster, and Michigan defensively played great, but they did nothing to help themselves. Um, well, and I think you sort of Michigan, hit on it, Chris, when you said that they were getting good. It, it was a night where they were getting good looks, but it just was not falling. But so, they weren't getting a ton that, of good looks. Like there were a lot of threes that were contested that seemed open at first, but Florida State is ridiculously long. They can cover a lot of ground on their closeouts. I don't think Michigan got a ton of good looks from the perimeter personally. Well, that's fair too. I think Florida State is the type of team where, you know, we've seen Michigan kind of lose games in the past not necessarily because the team they were playing was better, but because they were longer and more athletic. And I think that you just hit on that, Luke. Um, you know, you look at the type of players that Florida State has. I think that's what what gave Michigan problems. It's, you know, and, and it was, listen, you don't apologize for winning this time of year, but that was not uh, that was not one of their finer performances. But you take the win and you get out of there with it, I guess. No, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I think... Uh... I don't know, maybe it's because I'm sick, but but more, I think we're kind of lacking, uh, or at least myself here, I'm lacking uh, the excitement. I mean, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, I, I think we, we obviously, all three of us are in agreement there. Um, no matter how bad or, or they might have played, how poorly they might have shot, team's in the Final Four. I mean, this is one of the most unbelievable accomplishments uh, but, that I've ever seen by any Michigan sports team in regards to where they were predicted to be preseason, uh, where they were projected to be midseason. And, and they're in the Final Four, and they're winning in different ways. Duncan Robinson talked about it. I, I, I know a lot of people have talked about it as well, that that uh, great teams win in, in, in different ways. Great teams win on nights when they don't necessarily play their best. And I think it shows not only the growth of these players – but also the growth of Beeline as a coach. I remember, you guys remember the uh, uh, Big Ten's best documentary that was done about the 2013 team? Yep, yep. yes. Beeline talked in uh, that documentary, he talked about the team the previous year that lost to Ohio in the first round. And he said, that was a really good team that we had, but it, it wasn't a team that was good enough to win on a day where we didn't play well. And this, what this team has done, I, I mean, Montana is Montana. You, you know, that's it would have taken <clears throat> it would have taken a lot to lose that game, but especially the other two, Houston and Florida State, uh, those were two games where a really good Michigan team did not play well offensively, and they find themselves punching a ticket to the Final Four, and uh, it's. It's amazing, and as the final seconds ticked away, it was a lot of relief. Um, thank God, Duncan Robinson was at the line in those for those last two free throws. And um, what's the stat? Uh, oh man, I'm gonna feel like such an ass for not remembering the guy's name. Was it True. Drew Hallett? Yeah. Is that yep, yep. Yes, he works it, for the he, site, man. Come on. I I know I'm an ass. <laughs> terrible with names. I, I remember shit that doesn't matter. Like you know, I remember like who won the World Series and like. X year, but I don't remember like somebody I met yesterday. It's, it's okay. I'll, my bro- my brain is all crossed crossed up and and out of place. But but uh, he always tweets a stat, and it, it is a really it shows that Duncan Robinson is absolutely the X factor of this team. That what are they now? 
30-0, 29-0 when he scores six or more points? Something uh, like that. I, I remember the tweet, you and, know, and from, he had five from Drew saying that. But, and I thought that, that edit was funny. Yeah, and, and he had five points uh, before those last two free throws. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was uh, – I mean, that that's that's incredibly fitting. So, um, it, not not a great performance. But with a, a week off as opposed to three days, I think it makes uh, it makes a major difference, especially as the hype machine um, starts rolling along. And we'll talk about that in a second with the with the upcoming game against Loyola. But uh, all in all, uh, an incredible accomplishment for Beeline's crew. Look, man, for the majority of my life, Michigan winning an NIT title in 2004 was the highlight of my Michigan basketball fandom. Like, I could not fathom going to two Final Fours in six years, like 10 years ago. Couldn't fathom it. I I was hoping to see one Final Four in my life. Like, this is insane. And what a job by Beeline because this team is far less talented than that 2013 team. This team is not going to have six players drafted to the NBA. It's just not gonna you, you can make, you can make a legitimate argument that this team isn't as talented as last year's team. You definitely, I mean, especially the way, especially the way that they were playing down the stretch with with how Walton was. I mean, he was Trey Burke esque in the last two months of last season. And DJ Wilson's in the NBA. Um, you, you had Ir- Irvin, who was a, who was a four year senior. Um, you know. It, it, and then the rest of the guys were, were all, you know, younger uh, versions of, of the team they have this year with the exception of, of the freshmen and, and Matthews. I mean, this was uh, – yeah, I, I mean, I think that's something that, you know, I'll talk about it a little bit more once we get into the uh, – once we talk about the Loyola game. But I think it's something that's really gotten overlooked because in these last – in the last month, it seems like Michigan has been kind of – one of the favorites to to win almost every game they've played. I feel like I, I mean, with the except with the exception of maybe the Michigan State game that they played at MSG, I feel like they've been the favorite to win probably every game. Um, you know, over the last month or month and a half. Um, but you know, a lot of people are forgetting this was a team that people had finishing what seventh, eighth in the Big Ten preseason. That if that yes. It's something like that. I mean, and let me say this. I, I, I do think this team is more talented than uh, last year's team. I think when it's all said and done, depending on how this season finishes, and obviously we expect them, if we expect them to go to the national title game, if they win it, I, I think you can say this, not just because it would be a national title, but I think be, I think this, they would have a legitimate case for the best team that Beeline has ever had. But let me say this. And Chris, you made an interesting point, and I'm glad you did. You said something about not being excited or not feeling hyped. And and I think you're right about that to an extent. And, and let me tell you why. Because they're in the final four, and, and that's fine and good. But you know what? It's not enough. The way that this season has played out, the way that what, what we've seen from this team when they play their best basketball, we know that they are a national title caliber team. So with them being in the final four, that's great. And that's a huge accomplishment. And, you know, Quick math here. I mean, if you're one of the four remaining teams of a 68 team field, I mean, you have like a 6% chance of getting there. And I get your percentages, you know, maybe weighted a little bit more because, you know, there are teams that obviously aren't going to get there, like most of the lower seats. But 
you know, that's an accomplishment and they're going to hang a banger banner for that. And that's great. But you know what? When you look at the way that this path has played out, I'm not going to say it's been an easy path. And I'm going to talk about that path in a second, but you're looking at a game now where you're going to play an 11 seed and albeit I think an underseeded 11 seed in Loyola, mm-hmm. Chicago, but that's a game that I'm, you have to win that game. If you're for real, you have to win that game. And, it's not the we're not excited because there are bigger things at play here. We are expecting them to play on Monday night. In a lot of cases, and myself included, I expect them to not only to get to Monday night, I I expect them to win on Monday night. So I think that's a little bit the reason why there may not be the excitement that there was, you know, during that sin I don't want to say twenty thirteen was a Cinderella run, but it had been the first time in twenty years since they've been there. So now that they've been there within the last five years, actually exactly five years ago, it feels like there's still work to be done. So I'm not ready to, if they lose on Saturday, that will be a disappointment to me. And that will be a wasted opportunity. And it won't take away from what was a great season, but it will very much be one of those one that got away seasons. And uh, because of the path and because of how things have kind of played out for them. Now, let me say this. And I wrote about this on the website the other day. Don't let anyone tell you that this has been an easy path. We sort of hit on that earlier. Three out of these four games have have not felt very easy. You know, they've 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 been grinded out games. They've been, you know, they they've been physical, you know, grinded out basketball games that they've needed defense to win. And you know what? No, they have not played their best basketball at times in this tournament. More often than not in this tournament, I'll say. But you know who else hasn't? the other 64 teams that are sitting at home right now, especially, and this is especially for any of you Michigan state people who are listening, which I doubt you are, but I have a message for you too. If you have the gall, if you have the balls to even say anything about Michigan's road being easy, when you got bounced by a terrible Syracuse team, that was an 11 seed, a 14 loss team this season, not because they outplayed you because you got in your own way. Pardon my French. Get the fuck out of here. Honestly, just I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it from Michigan State fans. I don't want to hear it from Ohio State fans because you are at home and you were at home before dinner was even on the table. On and Sunday. please don't forget, so I don't that Syracuse was team 68 out of 68 in the field. Yes, absolutely. So you Michigan State fans out there that have your excuses and, oh, this wasn't really a Tom Izzo type team. Yeah, guess what it was? Because he recruited those players. So I don't want to hear it from you. I don't want to hear that the path was easy because guess what? They're there and you're not. And it eats at you inside. And I know it does. And it's that's what fills my heart with glee when the site sells shirts that say Mr. March lives in uh, lives in Ann Arbor or January, February, Michigan, Mar- or April. I let those, I approve those ideas and those designs because I know Michigan fans will enjoy them, but it gives me even more glee. It fills me with even more pride that if you see a Michigan fan wearing that shirt, it will make you want to vomit. Period. So that's my little rant on on the haters about the path being too easy. Listen, you can make the argument all you want that they haven't played well, but you know what? So have a lot of other teams and a lot of the teams that people thought would be playing not only for the final four, but for a national title. So I don't want to hear it. I mean, it's the biggest cliche in March, but survive in advance, man. And you do that and you set yourself up for, you know, you, you get to yourself the last weekend of the year and you're in the mix to play for a national title. 
I don't care how you won. I see, th- I see four wins and I see four wins in this tournament is what I see. So that's, that's where I stand on, on the path and all of that. So, you know, even if they beat, you'll hear it again on Saturday. Oh, they finally beat it. They beat a team. They should have beat, you know, it was a Cinderella team. Uh, they were in easy, you know, the region set up, whatever, whatever. I want that. I want them to, I want that to fuel them all the way through Monday night till the buzzer hits zero because whoever they play on a Monday is going to be the favorite in the game and probably be the heavy favorite. I wouldn't be surprised to see experts think that, you know, either Villanova or Kansas will wipe the floor with Michigan. And you know what? I don't care. I don't. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's hard to, uh, to follow up, but, but I'll just say in response to the whole, uh, it was an easy path argument. There's no such thing as an as an easy road. I mean, what do you what do you want them to do? You want them to go break the other team's kneecaps so they play a higher seed? I mean, it's ridiculous, man. They, they played who was in front of them and they beat them. Period. Now I'm in a little bit of disagreement with you on one thing, and and maybe it's not so much a disagreement with you as with some people in the fan base. Um, and even some people who aren't part of the fan base who are saying this, uh, oh, dude, oh, dude, drag me if you have oh, to. No, because I'm well. I'm not completely. I, I wasn't completely sure uh, where where you stand on on this statement. And that's if they lose to Loyola, the season as a whole is a disappointment. It's, um, I'll let you, so are, you want my response? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you or... respond real quick, and then yeah. <sighs> Given how things have played out, I would be disappointed. Is the season as a whole a failure? Of course not. But the way it would, I won't want to say it would be a disappointment. And I think I maybe even worded it a bit too strongly in my initial reaction after the game. But let me say this. It would be a ginormous missed opportunity. And I'll leave, I'll kind of leave it at that. I don't disagree with you there. It would be, and it would be a disappointment. But the idea that this would be uh, 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 that the entire season would be a disappointment is one of the most ludicrous things. This isn't like uh, the 2016 football team where that team had everything in place. And if it wasn't, if they didn't make the playoff, it would have been a bust. This is a team that that nobody expected to be in this position. This, This is a team nobody wanted. Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman was going to go to community college. Nobody had heard of Mo Wagner. Duncan Robinson was a D3 player. Kentucky let Charles Matthews walk. I mean, th- th- this is a team that, for the most part, with the exception of a few freshmen and, and Xavier Simpson, they aren't some big five-star recruit team. So the idea that this, is, this would be a disappointment to lose to Loyola, guys, this has been a dream season. It has been the dream season. It's been more of a dream season than even 2013. Even even if they do lose to Loyola, they 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 beat every goddamn team in the Big Ten. They won the Big Ten tournament. They shit in MSU's mouth twice on national television. That they made it to the Final Four. And, and this has been one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had as a sports fan. And the idea that they would lose. In the final four, in the final four, and that it would be a disappointment is is ludicrous bridges. I, I I I cannot wrap my mind around that. I understand. Would I be disappointed? Of course, I'd be disappointed if they didn't win the whole damn thing. I think we all would. 
I don't want them to lose. I don't like when my teams lose. Well, and, and let me say this too. I, I don't, my only point, and no, the season would not be a failure. I mean, that would be like saying, you know, a team that won the president's cup in hockey. I mean, a lot of those teams do flame out, but you know, you losing the Stanley cup finals, that's not a failure. That's a good season. I think that expectations change as the season goes along. So when we look, you know, the process of building this team is when those expectations change, I'm just talking about the way that things have laid out. Now, if they were to lose on, it does not take away from the season at all. Personally, I feel like it would be a, a, a huge missed opportunity and, and it would be, a disappointment that they didn't go farther, but it would not, you know, I won't be any less fond of the coaching job that John Beeline has done and, and the players that they brought in. So I don't want to, I, I want to make sure I would be very disappointed if they're not playing on Monday night, at least, but you know, I, I'm fine with If I'm in the minority on that, that's fine. Like I, I'll, I'll die on that hill. Cause you know, that's just kind of where I'm at. So I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay the team or, or the, their achievements or anything like that. That's just kind of where I'm at right now where we stand today because i know three of those four games they've played haven't been the best but i expect them to play better on the biggest stage and that's you know maybe shame on me for like i don't know but i'm not i want to make it clear i'm not taking anything away from them if they lose on saturday because this is a good team that they're going to play and you know it's you know they they both have 32 wins so it's not like they're playing a slouch team that is just going to lay down for them so i'm not you know, I, I just want to make it clear that I would be disappointed in the ending. I would feel that it's a missed opportunity given how things have played out, but no, it would not be a disappointing season by any stretch. I, I think that a, personally, I think a better word, you know, because obviously I agree with both of you in the sense that obviously this season is not a disappointment at all, disappointment at all, no matter what happens. I think losing to Loyola would be more of a letdown that's, that's, than it would you know, that's be a probably disappointment the for it, because I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. The expectations are, are so high right now. Michigan is a better team than Loyola Chicago. Yeah. That's that's just a true fact. The Michigan is, is far and away, probably across the board, better than Loyola Chicago. Anything can happen in March. That's how Loyola Chicago is in the Final Four. But it would definitely be a letdown if they lost to Loyola Chicago. The season would be a, a compound success. I mean, I can't even use the right adjective to really put the emphasis on it enough of how great of a season – uh, this will have been for Michigan when it's all said and done with a Big Ten tournament championship with uh, hanging a banner going to the Final Four. Hopefully they hang three banners this year. But I, I do agree. I think you both make some really good points there that I would definitely be let down if they lose to Loyola Chicago more so than I would be if they were to win and lose on Monday night. Well, let's move on to Loyola Chicago because I sort of just hit on it. We talked about, you know, this is – Fine, they're an 11 seed. That's great. But this is a team that I believe has won 21 out of its last 22 games. It's a group that is coming into this weekend having won 32 games on the season, which is insane. I mean, this Michigan has set a program record for wins this year. And Loyola, you know, like I said, this is probably easily the best season they've ever had uh, in their school history. But, you know, we've, we've talked about the expectations and disappointments, letdowns, whatever. But what scares you guys about Loyola Chicago? Other than Sister Jean, we'll get to her in a minute. 
I think the fact that it's a very senior-led team, their their guards, and it's a very experienced team. I like the way they're coached. Um, I think they play good defense, not quite on Michigan's level, but as uh, teams that play good defense, like Florida State, give Michigan trouble sometimes. And Loyola, like you just mentioned, Anthony, they feels like they got a divine power on their side, man. I can't really explain it. Their first three wins of the tournament seemed like they were miracles, at least the first two, but. Uh, I don't know. It, it's almost like, but I feel like it's more like running ding, into George ding, Mason ding, ding. back yes. in '05. You know, like like that Florida team that ended up winning the national title played George Mason in the semifinal. That's what I feel like Michigan is getting right now. A magical run for a team that's very good, senior-led, but at some point it's going to come to an end because they're just not talented enough to win a national championship. Well, Chris, it sounds like you pretty much agree with well, that. Well, I was going to, honestly, I was going to make the comparison because I think there are actually a fair amount of parallels between that Florida team and this Michigan team. I mean, I, I think you could use, I think Mo Wagner and Joe Kim Noah, even down to personality styles, are, are somewhat similar in that aspect. Yeah, I like and, that. And, and I, mean, I like that a lot. Wait with your comparisons today, dude. Thank you. Um, you guys remember Lee Humphreys from uh, that? I think that was his name from that Florida team who just it was just raining threes. Yeah, Duncan Robinson. Stroking, I think baby. is, a, is a, uh, comparison to him. Torian Green was a point guard for them. I think it, Xavier Simpson's had a similar season to what he was able to do. You know, not a great scorer, but a good defender and a great uh, ball handler and floor general. Um, and that George Mason team. I mean that. That was a team that took out Michigan State, North Carolina, Wichita State, and a in a one seated UConn team that was like a pro team that year that everyone thought was going to win the whole thing. And it, that, that Rudy Gay's team, man. Uh, Rudy Gay's team. Too? No, that was two years before. Yeah. Um, no. But and they they met up with Florida, a team that had won their conference, won their conference tournament, and was a three seed going into the final four. So a lot of people thought that maybe uh, they would have a chance and they got their shit kicked. Now, I don't think – I do think this will be a closer game uh, than than that because I remember that that one was was not really close at all. But I, I – to answer your question, what does worry me, um, like you said, it's a senior-led team um, and that they don't – they don't particularly have one dominant scorer that I think you can uh, – focus on and try to shut down the way that say somebody like Houston did. Now that can be both a positive and a negative, but, but in this aspect, I think uh, it could work against Michigan because it's a team that, that moves the ball really well. Uh, All right. So we have what concerns us about Loyola Chicago, but what we need to talk about and something that people have been waiting for me personally to address, you know, I wrote about it last week after the round of 32, there was only one team in this tournament that scared me. So we just talked about what scares us about Loyola Chicago. And I'll be honest, what scared me? It was Sister Jean because I'm a Catholic school kid. I grew up around Sister Jean's. I, I've, you know, I know the power that she has behind her. But let me tell you something. I'm not, I'm no longer afraid of you. And maybe it's hubris. Maybe it's because, you know, I got my big boy pants on, you know, with Michigan in the final four and things like that. But I'm not afraid of you, sister Jean. And my message to you is this. 
I have all respect in the world for you as a, a member of the cloth, if you will, a clergy person. Um, and what we were planning on doing is we were planning on, I was trying to track down a priest to come on the show and maybe talk a little trash to sister Jean, not, you know, playful, not, you know, nothing too bad, but you would be surprised how hard it is to find a priest that's willing to shit talk one of their peers. So, um, that, that, that didn't happen, but let me say this about sister Jean. She is what? 97 years old, 98 years old, something like that. I'll be honest. The only time I've ever heard of Loyola Chicago basketball is when I was playing like the PlayStation two, like college basketball games. And they were the patsy that you schedule in the regular season when you need to add games. So let me say this, sister Jean, your powers are not magical. And I know you said that you'll be giving up losing for Lent. Well, I have a message for you. When you play Michigan on Saturday, I could be wrong here, but I believe in Italy, in in the Vatican, the, the home base of Catholicism, I believe it will be Easter Sunday when this game tips off on Saturday night here in the United States, meaning that Lent is over and it is time to lose. And let me tell you something. You do not have the magic that you think you do. You are, you know, where, where was these runs to the final four and through the tournament with you there before? Because I don't want to, I'm not going to poke fun at your age, sister Jean, but you've been there a while. So where has it been? This is an outlier. Your team, I'm I'm disappointed in you, Sister Jean, because first and foremost, you are representing representing one of the more talented teams in the country. They're in the Final Four. I think it's safe we can say that. They've played their way into it. And you're taking all the attention away from them. And you know what? I don't want to say it's a distraction, but it's uh I I don't know how helpful it is. I think I think you're making it about yourself, Sister Jean. And and in my humble in this humble Catholic's opinion. I think that uh, I, I don't think that's very Christian of you. So I don't I don't believe that your team will win Saturday. I don't believe that you will win the national title. And you know it's been a, it's been a cute run, and I'm glad that it it coincides with you know Easter and things like that. But I, I, let me tell you, Sister Jean, you're in for a world of hurt. Your boys are in for a world of hurt, and I think that Michigan will send your team, your beloved Ramblers. I believe they will send you out of San Antonio with your scarf between your legs. Anthony, when you wrote that piece, did you realistically think there was a chance that 100%. Michigan would face Loyola I in the Final Four? I 100% believe that. Be honest. Did you? Oh, my God. I didn't. I did not. I was like, there's no way. Like, I like the piece. You know, it, it's funny, but I was like, there's no chance that this yeah, ever I, happens. I don't write things I don't believe. Like, I 100% believe that that was something that could happen. Um, so I, I'm not going to sit here and call myself a prognosticator or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say I wrote it into existence, but, you know, if if I have these powers that are, are putting things into existence and I'm truly on a hot streak like that, well, guess what? She's in trouble because I just predicted their demise. That's true. You should write a piece talking about how you're, how you're scared to face Villanova. Well, I'm not afraid of that too. either. So I'll go on the record and say they're in trouble too. So. Love it. So. Are you saying Michigan is that your yeah, I mean, we can spin Michigan's it into the, the our final thing? thoughts and predictions. I, I wrote when I wrote that I believe that Sister Jean was the only thing standing in the way of Michigan winning the national title. I 100% believe that, and I still believe it. I wanted to say that they were winning the, you know, I, I felt this was a national title contender and a team that, you know, if things broke right for them, which get, make no mistake about it, looking at you, Michigan State fans, Ohio State fans, 
things do have to break right for you to make a run in the tournament. So you need to have, you know, if we, if we want to throw the Easter uh, comparisons out there, you need to have a resurrection of sorts. You need to have a moment where you rise from the dead. They did that with Jordan Poole. They, they won, even before that, they won four games in four days in the Big Ten tournament. I felt this was a national title team, you know, sometime during that Big Ten tournament, it clicked for me. Maybe it was during the Michigan State game, uh, probably in the first half of that Purdue game. Yeah. But let me, I have felt that this team, and this is not me being a slappy. And I looked at college basketball. I looked at, you know, I, I felt, and maybe it's, this is kind of corny, but I feel like this is the year of the good guys. You know, you've seen, we've had all these FBI scandals and things like that. This is the year where doing it the right way is going to be rewarded. And, and I'll be honest with you, if Michigan loses to Loyola, I will be rooting like hell for them and Sister Jean because... You know, Villanova, I'm not saying they've done anything wrong, but Kansas dollar bill self, that's that's a program that's kind of been wrapped up in all this. I believe this year is the year of the good guys and the people that do things the right way will be rewarded because I do believe that, you know, the universe does have a plan for all, all of this. So, um, you know, you've seen all the schools that were involved kind of go down early, Arizona, Michigan State, uh, Kentucky, obviously last weekend. I just, I have felt like this is going to be the year for the good guys and, I wrote about it two weeks ago. I think that the only thing in the way of Michigan winning a national title is divine intervention on the behalf of sister Jean and not even by sister Jean. It's her. It's, it's the Lord above using her as a vessel for a miracle. And I don't believe that the Lord has a vested interest in sports or else we'd see a lot more Catholic schools in the final four winning national titles and things like that. So I'm not going to shy away from it. And if I want you, I'll stop short of saying I'm speaking it into existence. I believe in my heart of hearts that Michigan will win the national championship. Oh, look, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not going to get into the divine intervention shit. I'll, I'll say that I, I, Michigan's going to beat Loyola. I think they'll beat Loyola by double digits and they'll play for the national championship on Monday. Um, And, and that's one of the, in, you know, this is going to make me sound like kind of a pussy, but, and, you know, maybe I am. But it, it's it's tough for me to make a prediction for the national championship game when one of my favorite teams is playing in it. Because I, it, it's it's the last game of the entire season. And to make a prediction, like, I don't know. Like, I, to me, I almost feel like I have to go with Michigan because I, I want to be both right and also happy you know i don't want to i think it's i don't want to come out here and be like oh they're gonna get you know smacked by villanova well i i it's hard to dis disconnect myself from my fandom here i can say with confidence i do think they'll beat loyola if they don't it's been a magical season i love this team i think it's been an amazing run um it would it would be a letdown but i do think they'll beat loyola and play for the championship on monday um and I, I, I would guess they'll probably play Villanova. I would guess, but um, you brought this up, and this will be my last point. You brought up the the year of of the good guys, um, and I think when you, you when you look around, and you you were talking more as far as the scope of the uh, of NCAA basketball is concerned. I'm just talking about let's talk about Michigan the state of Michigan sports as a whole right now. Um, 
Michigan State, whether or not the the severity of, of uh, what's going on there is unsure in regards to their basketball and football program, but it hasn't exactly been a good year for them. Uh, the Tigers are going to suck. Uh, the Lions are the Lions. The Red Wings blow. The Pistons suck. This has really been, the uh, of all the teams that people would have thought would have been the saving grace, the feel-good story in, in the state of Michigan this year, for it to be this team, I, I think has been remarkable. So I'm going to root like hell for them. Uh, we're obviously going to be back here next week to, to, to recap, um, hopefully both games, and, and talk about the season as a whole. Um, I can't make a ton of predictions, but I will say with confidence um, that they'll play in the national championship. And uh, no matter the result of that game, uh, it'll be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be a little bit misty-eyed at the end because uh, you make it to the last game, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So, I don't have much to say, but I do have a message for Sister Jean. Sister Jean, it's been a great run. It's been a lot of fun to watch you. you. You've been magical for your team. Your team's run has been magical. But I hope you've made your peace because not even Jesus can save your team now. Oh, man. See, this is where I get – this is the stuff that makes me nervous. Like when you, you can poke Sister Jean, but I feel like when you poke you poke the bear, so to speak, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's where I'm like, oh, that's not a road I want to go down. But hopefully that doesn't bring bad karma to us. And you know what? It's – Hey, it is what it is. Uh, Sister Jean, you're, you're sassy. I, I love it that you've been a story is, is, is awesome. And if you're playing anyone but Michigan, I'd be rooting so hard for you. Uh, but, but you're not. And you're, quite frankly, you're in the way. You're in the way of, of what I believe is going to be the capping off of a pretty special time to be a Michigan fan. So, um, hey, you know, the scarf is co- the scarf is cool. Uh, Hope, hope it's handy to, to dry your tears, though. So that's all I have to say. So uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I know it's a little bit of a shorter show, but, you know, you can only say so much. You At, at some point, you just got to roll the ball out there and let the boys play. I'm going to be so excited for this week has been a struggle to get through with anticipation for Saturday night. But I know, man, I'm, it doesn't matter what the score is. Even the Texas A&M game, I wasn't sitting down much. It, it's going to be a wild ride on Saturday. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and I'm really glad they are the early game. All right, and Chris? Uh, well, I mean, uh, my it's – I guess it's only fitting that I'd be sick this week because this is why we can't have good things. We have opening day tomorrow. Um, and of course, Michigan playing in the final four on Saturday, but uh, not to wax poetic, but I will. Um, if you have time and you're a Michigan fan and you're a Michigan basketball fan, and I, and I mean a genuine Michigan basketball fan, not a bandwagoner. I'm talking about somebody who was there in 08 when they lost more games than any other team in school history. I'm talking about somebody who was there uh, three years ago when, when they couldn't get the ball inbounds. I'm, I'm talking about those, those type of fans. Just, just take a moment and, and try to, to, to let it all sink in. Michigan's playing in the final four this weekend, guys. I, that is, 
it's still amazing to me. So that's the last thing I got to say before, you know, we, we plug our social media accounts. It's uh, it's, it's been a hell of a year. Yeah. And it comes to, it comes to an end one way or another, uh, probably before the next time we record a show. So you'll have them playing at the first game at six Oh nine Eastern on Saturday, I believe Kansas and Villanova tips off around eight 49, but it's usually about 25 minutes after that first game ends. So that's what you're looking at Monday's game. Get ready for late night. I mean, it'll tip probably after nine o'clock and you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about probably around midnight. So ready yourselves for that. Get the rest you need, all that stuff and and have fun with it. You know, this is going to be, and maybe we'll get into a little bit of Michigan hockey next week. um, Find a guest or or something like that. But you know, this is part one of what's going to be a very special two weeks for Michigan athletics. So, um, Enjoy it. Embrace it. It doesn't happen all that often. I don't think people really realize how hard it is to get where Michigan is right now. So enjoy it. Embrace it. Watch with, you know, watch at the bar. Watch wherever you want. Watch wherever you're happy. But I I would recommend watching it in, you know, kind of a a place to your own with people that you care about. Because those are the type of, and go out and party afterwards, whatever happens. So those are the kind of moments that, you know, I've always... I've always felt like the more intimate game moments are the ones you kind of remember. So have fun with that or do whatever you got to do, you know, speak, speak a national title into existence. If you have to, uh, you know, maybe we get enough good vibes on our side to, for the good guys to win. So uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, I've been Anthony Broom. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T Broom. Follow Mason Brew on Twitter at Mason Brew. Follow our show's Twitter account at Brewcast show on Twitter. Uh, I got the handle wrong in, in the tweet for last week, and that's totally my bad. So I will make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, gentlemen, plug your social before we get out of here. Luke Giardi, follow me at Luke Giardi on Twitter. Like Anthony said, follow the Brewcast show page. We like to tweet from there during the game as well. We're going to have some fun with you, so go follow both of those. And you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. Let me spell that out for you. That is at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. And uh, definitely follow that Brewcast account. Um, We just recently uh, pledged allegiance to Dave Portnoy. So... Uh, a lot of a lot of fun things coming down the pike for for uh, us right, and remember to, this to subscribe to our shows. Have them sent right to your phone uh, with Maze and Brew podcasts on iTunes and in Google Play as well. So have them sent right to your phone. You don't even have to look for them. Like you just get a notification. So if you like listening to us, spread the word. Tell your friends. Uh, give us feedback, and we'll uh, you know we want to make this a show that you're willing to listen to and have a good time with as well. So. For Chris, for Luke, for the Maze and Brew staff, for Michigan fans everywhere, I've been Anthony Broom, and we'll talk to you again next time.